0: Head over to TheInforium.com slash Nebula to sign up now. You're listening to the College Info Geek Podcast, where it's all about learning more, paying off your student debt, landing your dream job, and being awesome at college. Now, here's your host, Thomas Frank. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the College Info Geek Podcast. I'm Thomas Frank, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking personal finance. So if you are looking for ways to manage your money better and become more financially educated, then this is an episode for you. So today I'm talking to my friend Joe Saul Sehai, who for 16 years was a financial advisor and now is the host of the Stacking Benjamins podcast. And Stacking Benjamins, along with Listen Money Matters, is one of my favorite personal finance podcasts, and I listen to it all the time. So this is a really fun episode to do, and what we're going to be doing today is going over this idea that your personal finance journey happens in stages, and these stages are somewhat similar to the stages of the Apollo moon mission rocket launch. And what Joe's point is, is that different personal finance advice gurus out there all have advice tailored to people in different stages of their financial journeys. So, whatever stage you're currently in will determine which kind of person you might want to listen to. So, that's what's coming up. But first, if you've got questions about college, email those questions to me over at thomas at collegeinfogeek.com because once a month, my friend Martin and I, and my girlfriend Anna, do a Q&A session where we play a video game, we answer five reader questions on the air, and uh, you get to listen to them. So those are fun episodes. I also try to answer questions via email when I can, so get those questions emailed over to me. And also, if you like the show and want to subscribe to it and you also want to get new episodes delivered right to the device you listen to whenever they come out, then subscribe to the podcast. You can do it on iTunes, you can do it on Stitcher, or wherever you listen. And to get that subscribe link, along with show notes that include quotes, links to things we talk about in the episode. So in a summary, you can go over to CIGpodcast.com. Click that episode 36 link for this episode, and you'll get all that good stuff. So without further ado, let's get into this interview with Joe Saul Salcihai.
1: All right, Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, man. It's great to be here. Yeah, I, so, guess- <laughs> I mean, college dorm room, basement, what's the difference, right? Well, yeah, I was going to say you, you
0: had me in the basement uh, for your show, so I'm going to say um, welcome to High Imperial Court.
1: Yeah, that's, that's. <laughs> or, uh, or what looks like a dorm room? That High Imperial Court sounds scary. It does like sound I'm a little scary.
0: Yep. Yeah, I'm yeah. the Grand Inquisitor. Uh, this is actually an apartment, so it's not not a dorm. So they say. <laughs> so you say. So I say. Actually, there's no way for anyone to tell because this is audio. <laughs>
1: that's right. It could be wherever you want it to be. We're currently uh, on the the deck of a 747, oh, okay. uh, yeah. just behind the pilots. We've got some killer mics.
0: You know, that no hum in the background, no nothing. It is Actually, awesome. I, have the, I have the mic enclosed in those Bose headphones, and then I'm just, like, whispering into it. Like, <laughs> I love those. I would love to have a pair of those. I don't have – I just use my Apple earbuds, honestly. No, I, know, know, that, I don't want to bring headphones in my
1: bag. Well, and I also – this is the thing about having a financial podcast is that is it so, at heart, I'm a cheap ass, right? Mm. <laughs> so, so, like, cost versus a benefit. I can have these little Sony things I'm wearing here, or I can have the really expensive Bones ones that are completely noise canceling. I'm like, I-, I just can't justify that price.
0: You know, if people could see the 250 board games behind you, I don't know if they would believe that you're actually a cheap <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, you know, but you know what's funny dude is that my so uh my wife has complained uh well no she did, actually the story is going to go the other way she hasn't complained about the board game she does every once in a while but but the big thing she says is that if you had that many board games and you didn't play them all the time i would be upset mm. but the fact that the fact that we have game night every other thursday and then you know we, we 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 nerd out uh you know at least once a week uh they come off the shelf quite a bit yeah. and i got i i did get to the point though i got got to say this i got to the point where i just couldn't play more so now whenever i get a new one an old one's got to go bye-bye oh so, yeah so i sell old ones i sell ones that aren't making it off the shelf so that i can you know go buy that, it.
0: that makes sense <laughs> I, i've gotten to that point with books i finally had to take a couple of books off my shelf uh i realized that a uh, iphone development book for ios 6 is probably not going to benefit me very much anymore
1: Maybe because not. we're
0: a couple <laughs> iterations past that so uh if I want to learn how to build an iPhone app, I probably should find something updated, but
1: well, now it's got to be iOS 8 and the iPhone 6 and 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 how to make a bendable phone.
0: Well, right. Yeah, how to make a bendable phone. You know, I've become a, you know, avatar with some metal bending and just bend my iPhone a little bit. <laughs> Ugh, brute strength. I am getting my I'm getting an iPhone 6 in November. I actually realized randomly that I'm up get, I'm up for upgrade, upgrade. And uh I can actually get one. So, I was kind of like relegating myself to keeping my 5 for the next year. But I guess I'm up. So I'm going to go with the 6. I'm not so trusting of the Plus.
1: You you don't want the one that's like the big old 80s comb that like hangs no. on
0: like a mile? Well, here's the thing. I already have an iPad mini. So like what's the point? <laughs> it's the same thing. Side by side, like the screens are not that different. I mean they're not that uh, different in size. So –
1: there's a guy that makes the YouTube videos Matthias I think who does the who does the iPhone uh, you know he pretends like they're Apple executives oh yeah and he pretends in that video that, that he's Tim Cook and, <laughs> and and says says no it was a huge cost savings because we just took a mini we slapped the six plus logo on it and nobody's gonna know the difference boom <laughs> saved us a bunch of money sneaky yes
0: that's how their cash reserves are so big just <laughs> take the old stock trick them
1: Oh, come on. No, wait. it's
0: funny. Uh, my parents, when I was a baby, they, they had just gotten to the Air Force, and they both got a job in a battery manufacturing factory, and uh, so what they found out is, like, the premium batteries that the place was selling were just the same batteries with different labels slapped on.
1: Were they really? Yep. That, that is horrible.
0: <laughs> I know, right? Ugh, terrible business practices.
1: Like a 35% markup or whatever for nothing more.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, yeah. those board games are probably fine, because I'm guessing you're not, like, Going golfing every weekend or anything like that, and that's that's pretty expensive.
1: Well, and you can play them over and over again. You mm-hmm. know, like uh, Ticket to Ride back here. You know, how many times have you played Ticket to Ride? I yeah, but we played—I gotta say—150, 200 times, maybe. So for a for a sixty dollar investment or fifty dollar investment, you know, that's exactly. a lot of usage. A lot of yeah. usage.
0: And that's why I like getting multiplayer games. I I've learned to not purchase single player video games for myself because I know I will not finish them, but if I get like a little tiny multiplayer game, I'll play the crap out of that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm the opposite. I I mean, that's maybe because I'm 46 years old and and I'm I'm, you know, I'm going, "Okay, Call of Duty, how do I Oh, I'm dead." Okay, I just oh. got Oh, I'm dead. <laughs> All right, well, okay, let's go around this corner and oh, I'm dead. And it's always some, you know, 12-year-old screaming profanity in my yeah. ear about what a what a what a whatever I am. Well, know? I don't,
0: I don't play online games. Oh, you don't? Nope. Uh, just multiplayer, like, like local, like we play smash yes. brothers and we play Mario Kart And, uh, there's a little game called tower fall. I love to play and I'm getting, that's awesome. I'm getting way too good at that. But <laughs> I get to the point where I'm like, I, I get obsessed with it and my friends don't want to play with me anymore. So I have to cool down.
1: <laughs> See, I'm the opposite. I am stuck on, and I don't get to play games very much. I read everything about games. So I don't get to play very often, but mm. I am stuck in the middle of Skyrim and being, oh, a, okay. an, and and Skyrim and being a completionist are bad things together because I'm like, oh, yeah. I just got to go to this place and do this quest. And instead of, like, fast traveling across this huge map, I always got to walk mm-hmm. so I can see all the stuff. You know, <laughs> I just take the stupid game and make it way longer than it needs to be.
0: I'm in the same exact position except for the game is uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag.
1: Oh, you like- know what's funny? I So I started that. I got – a couple hours in and uh and it's waiting for me but i'm doing this mission that's way too hard and i just gotta back away
0: yep i think that's the point i'm at too it's like one of those tail missions and i'm just too impatient to do it but my girlfriend wants me to play child of light and i'm like i'll play it when i finish assassin's creed and i just don't play assassin's creed because i'm like this is gonna take forever
1: (laughs) i've heard child of light is just very pretty like every every view i see of it is just pretty and the music seems awesome i love the
0: art i have the music from it on my study playlist so i mean that's, I love games. I love like the visuals and the music and like trivia. I watch like every gaming YouTube channel. But then when it comes to playing the games, uh, I don't put as much time into it. Yeah, yeah, me so too. So I guess we should talk about money and stuff. So uh, before we get into the topic that you pitched for this episode, what is stacking benjamins, and what are you attempting to teach people, or maybe not teach people?
1: Yeah, we are. Well, as you know, Thomas, we're trying to teach people absolutely nothing on our show. Uh, <laughs> Our, our problem is is that I don't think there's enough just financial conversations out there. We mm. we don't have these relaxed money discussions. I mean, we'll talk about video games forever, and then we get to money, and everybody tightens up. And well, I can't tell you what what I'm doing, or you know, what I don't know, or I'm very savvy, and or, so we all <laughs> you know we all pretend we're something that we're not.
0: Here's the Investopedia definition of a hedge fund. Exactly.
1: <laughs> Exactly. So uh, uh, I have ADD, pretty stinking bad. And so I wanted to create a show that was a magazine style show. So every five or 10 minutes, we're on to a different topic. So our show starts off. It's about an hour long. We don't expect people to finish every show, but it, uh, you know, the first 10 minutes we, we just do quick headlines, whatever's going on in the world of financial planning. Uh, so we do maybe three t- headlines in five or 10 minutes, and then we'll have either a guest or have a round table of different voices in the personal finance community where they talk about articles from popular finance sites. And we just have this usually kind of a funny money chat. And then we uh, take a listener letter or two um, and answer those because, oh, gee, my partner, he's a practicing CFP. And because of that, people that understand what a certified financial planner is, they have all these layers of compliance, right, where they're not allowed to say anything ever on a mm. broadcast deal. So what he does is kind of puts a bag on his head and says, I'm not going to use this for marketing at all. I'm not going to talk about my practice. So we've been podcasting. Stacking Benjamins is just over a year old, but we had a show before that called Two Guys and Your Money. And um, – and and he's never once, you know, talked about his his, his practice or, or who he is. He'll tell stories sometimes about dumb things people have done, but but or or very smart things people have done. But but he he doesn't market anything, doesn't talk about him, and so we just call him OG uh, for the other guy, which we think is funny because OG <laughs> you know, original gangsta. See, that's and, what
0: I thought you were referencing.
1: Well, that was what we were referencing. We, we, we came up with we came up with the other guy. Uh, I, I I said to him, I said, oh, "We're going to call you OG man. We're going to totally call you OG." <laughs> and uh, it's just one of many of our little private jokes. We have a lot of little jokes in our show. So that's that's uh, that's stacking Benjamins, and it's I don't know. We try to have a lot of fun and not teach anything. Just talk.
0: See, that's that's the kind of podcast I like. Man, it's, <laughs> that's why I like your show. It's why uh like, why I like man. I'm just like stumbling over words today. I haven't had enough coffee. I don't like, listen, money matters. Like I just want conversations.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) And I want people to bullshit. I mean, that's what
1: I'm frankly, right. And when I, it was, it was funny talking about our, uh, talking about Andrew, Matt, who I love. And, um, what's funny is when I created Stacky benchmarks, I had this idea. I'm like, it's going to be like car talk. Because nobody's really doing car talk, right? Like, I like listening to car talk just because I like the two guys, click and clack, who know about cars. and uh, But they're funny, and I, I don't know crap about cars. Mm-hmm. So so I tell everyone that, that I never thought, you know, I'm doing this end around on all these other financial podcasts, which are all heavy duty trying to teach people stuff, right? right. I never thought there was going to be that I was going to get outflanked on the left that these guys <laughs> who talk about absolutely nothing would come around. And, and it's awesome because, you know, I mean, being a guy who's on that train, I, I love that kind of morning radio show format. me. Yeah. Yeah. It's,
0: it's good to have friends along the way. Yes. So that's absolutely. what I think. i the more the merrier for me. Abs- amen. And Crazy. friends. They are doing a little bit different because they have a, like a singular format. Yes. And you got your section or your segments and everything, which I like. Yes. And yep. then I, I don't even know what I'm trying to be. <laughs> because I've got segments, I've got like purely educational episodes, and then I've got stuff like this where there's going to be talk about board
1: games later. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think you're you're uh, trying to be a nerd, which is awesome. That's why I like your show.
0: I do like trying to be a nerd. Nerds Absolutely. are
1: awesome. Yes. I just got back
0: from a uh, camp like called Camp Nerd Fitness. Uh, it was amazing. Like that was a great weekend. Just so many nerds playing dodgeball and or kickball and uh, learning how to do kicks and like cartwheels and stuff. And did a powerlifting competition awesome weekend i'm gonna get a post up about it so did you win i did well i guess it really wasn't a competition competition more like you're competing against yourself yes but um i i kind of like got out of lifting for a while so when i was a freshman sophomore i was very into it hit a lot of prs then didn't I didn't go as hardcore on it for the junior, senior, and last year I just kind of maintained. So my, my numbers are not as uh, high as they used to be, but I was pleasantly surprised with what I was able to put up. So yeah, yeah I think it was pretty good. And then there's this, this tall, lanky dude named Anthony, who you usually think tall, lanky dudes are not good acrobats and not good lifters, right? Maybe right. More basketball, like that's their sport. This dude, taller than me, can do like aerials, backflips, like 360, 540 kicks. Like, it's nothing. And then he goes and deadlifts 550 pounds. 550? 550. Yeah, that's what he uh, finished the the meet with. Holy. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And Stacey Artisan, who's a Nerd Fitness team member number two, I believe, she deadlifted 405. So she beat me (laughs) by a good margin. (laughs) Her second lift was 365. And I was like, all right, put me down for 365, my final one. I'm going to match that. Couldn't get it off the ground. She'll Uh, kick your ass. Yes, she will. I'm a little bit scared. She's cool, though. And I will eventually get there. Uh, I am motivated to get my deadlift back up from that show. Well, that's good. That's worth it. It is worth it. Yeah, there's a lot of motivation that comes from going to an event like that. So that's why I like going to events. And I'm probably going to go to one this weekend as well. Though I have the urge to learn how to make music as well. So we'll figure it out. (laughs) So you want to talk about... Why you shouldn't listen to Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, Motley Fool, all these Jim Cramer, all these really uh, big wig financial experts. And we're going to compare it to the three stages
1: of the Apollo moon launch. <laughs> well, here's the deal, man. So I was a financial planner for 16 years. Okay. And um, I would have these clients that would come in and they would say, Well, uh, Dave Ramsey said I should do it this way. And I would go, Oh, Man, here, my head on the microphone, <laughs> and, and uh, or or well, I was listening to Motley Fool guys, and they said, you know, yeah, and, and and it would it would just kill me, and and I always had this. So if I said, by the way, if I said, you know what, Dave Ramsey's wrong in this instance, Th- they didn't quit listening Dave Ramsey because Dave Ramsey had this huge megaphone. Yeah. I'm this little financial planner working with 150 families guess who got fired me Mm -hmm. right so then i thought of a better way to explain it and if people would sit with me for like half an hour i could explain why dave ramsey was wrong in this instance and sometimes sometimes they get it and sometimes they wouldn't get it and and it was always frustrating so this has been something that's been brewing in my head for a long time about gurus and we all you know we're all we're all you know, listening to gurus and gurus kind of dominate the financial space. All the people we talked about, plus throw in like David Bach or Gene Chatsky, the Today Show money editor, mm. uh, Liz Weston. Um, there's just these these people who you know command the spotlight, and and all of a sudden, like six months ago, I found the perfect analogy to <laughs> about how this works, and it crystallized it crystallized it in people's head. And as I started sharing it now, it's like a 10 minute discussion. Well, it actually breeds a longer discussion, but it's a 10 minute analogy. So here's the deal. Uh, um, I was always fascinated by the whole Apollo program, right? The, the race to get to the moon and right. about how they created those rockets, but never, never enough to go, like, go into the science of it until about a year ago. Talk about being a geek. Uh, I don't have a lot of time to play video games. We were talking about Skyrim earlier, but I, I st- you know, I play a couple hours a week. Right. Right. Um, but I listen to podcasts about video games. I've read everything there is to read about Titanfall and Destiny and new games coming out. <laughs> I mean, I read all the stuff, never play hardly any of them, but I know all of them. And, uh, you know, that's why I know so much about Child of Light. It's just everything that I've heard. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was this cool game that came out called Kerbal Space Program. And there's these little green dudes. And it's a hilarious game. And you can, you, you can buy it on, 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 uh, on your PC. on um, Steam? Steam. Thank you. You bought on steam. And it's one of those projects that's not done yet. Like you're buying it for a little cheaper because it's not done and they're still working on it. But at the time that I bought it, it was a sandbox mode. And now they're starting to create these challenges. But what happens is you've got your facility and you take these rockets and you try to build the rocket so you can launch these Kerbals, help them get to outer space, help them get to their moon and then help them get to like outer planets from there. So the, the first thing that took forever for me, just took forever, was trying to get these guys out of the atmosphere. I would, I would build this rocket. I put it on the launch pad and I couldn't get the thing to go off the launch pad. And so what's cool is, is because I'm playing, I'm learning about how, about how propulsion systems work. Right. Which, which was just awesome. And by the way, uh, NASA found these guys and now NASA has worked with these guys to create a um, uh, a similar program that's made to teach – that's made to actually teach. Like the game doesn't try to teach. Yeah. But NASA found them and has partnered with them to create a new Kerbal Space Program that's NASA endorsed to teach people how cool space exploration is. So, oh, that's awesome. Oh, love the game. It's hilarious. Your very first guy, your very all of your little astronauts have names, and you're sitting in mission control, right? So I'm in a pair of shorts and a t-shirt with my <laughs> keyboard in front of me. And I can see this fuzzy picture in the corner of Jebediah, my first astronaut, getting into the, the getting into the little module at the top of my rocket. And uh the first time I played, I, I totally killed that dude. I just, <laughs> I didn't realize that you needed a parachute on the rocket, right? And so he goes up, and he's all excited. You can see him go up, and then as the thing starts to lose ground and the the the, the fuel runs out, it comes down, and I can't figure out how to stop, and he dies. Uh, yeah, so I had to restart because uh, I of silence
0: for Jebediah.
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, and and uh, so anyway. Uh, uh, What this program taught me, though, was why the Apollo mission programs used a three-stage rocket. They used a three-stage rocket just to hold a ton of fuel and to combat the the amount of weight that they – that they had. I mean, in, in very layman's terms, I'm sure somebody from NASA might be listening to this. Thomas, going, that's not it at all. <laughs> but from you know, just the dude playing the game on Steam, I had to have three stages to reach outer space. Right. So there was the launch pad, and then and then uh, uh, it took off, and then you know you jettison the first stage, then you jettison the second stage when you get to the when you get to the outer limits of the atmosphere, and then you go into outer space with, with the third stage and just the command module. So all of a sudden, I realized. That is the analogy with gurus. Is it gurus? The biggest problem with gurus isn't a problem with Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, Motley Fool. The problem is you. The problem is is that you're in a different stage, and you're trying to get to a different place than this guru is maybe taking you. So it's not that Dave Ramsey's wrong all the time. He might just be wrong about what you're trying to do. And mm-hmm. it might it, it might not be that, you know, Jim Cramer's wrong. I was talking to a guy at this conference I went to a couple of weeks ago called ThinCon. And this guy, the CFP, was telling me, I would never recommend Jim Cramer to anybody. I'm like, but if somebody really is wants to be good at picking individual stocks, you know, Jim, Jim Cramer's a guy who knows a lot about the economy and about evaluating stocks. And he's definitely somebody you have to listen to. You might not believe him. Right, But clearly it's for you. Where if you're somebody with a lot of debt, if you're somebody that has credit cards and you have no savings account, listen to Jim Cramer's, the dumbest thing you could ever do, right? Because mm-hmm. buying individual stocks for that person is just, is, is completely wrong. So there's, there's first stage people, there's second stage people. And then there's people, if you're going to the moon where it's really dangerous, there are third stage gurus, uh, Now, the cool thing is it's different than the moon program or the rocket program. Everybody's not trying to get into outer space. Like there's some people that just want a nice view of the world. Like Mm -hmm. they love their job. They're they're not concerned about excitement in their career. I've I've had people like this that have worked for me. And there's nothing wrong with this for your, you know, if your goal is safety. A guy who's on our podcast, Greg McFarlane, who's pretty funny, he said the reason he's so frugal with money was he was always afraid that he'd be destitute. Like he, he never cared about getting ahead. He just didn't want to screw himself over. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so, so for him, he's kind of a stage two guy. He wants to see the world. He wants to stay inside the atmosphere where he can still breathe. No plans to go to Mars. Doesn't really care to go there. Um, Nice for some people, but not nice for him.
0: Mm -hmm. But so, so you're saying like these gurus, a lot of what they're talking about is stage three kind of stuff. And it makes sense because like people like Dave Ramsey, they have daily shows. So those are going to be topics that eventually get talked about and listened to by people who shouldn't be going to stage three right now or shouldn't even be planning about it.
1: Well, Dave Ramsey actually, Thomas, is a stage one guy okay. in, in my view. And the reason is – so there's like the launch pad, like stuff that, that everybody needs to know. No matter where you're at on the launch pad, you've got to know a few things. Like you've got to know – You've got to know about probabilities. You mm-hmm. have to know about goal based planning, like where do I want to go well, The thing that drove me nuts as a financial planner was when when I'd say, "So, where are you trying to go, Thomas?" And Thomas would say, uh, "I'm just trying to have as much money as possible." Um, uh, good good luck with that it, it was so much easier to get your goal if you knew where you were trying to go right um but but so Dave Ramsey, I think the first stage is to get rid of debt, right. So so after the launch pad, the first stage is get rid of debt, get a cash reserve, get your insurances in order, get your basic fundamental house in order is the stage one rocket. Mm -hmm. Stage two is somebody who's just trying to stay inside the atmosphere. So those people got to know about retirement plans, how your 401k works, how an IRA works, a Roth IRA. They got to know about basic estate planning, tax planning, you know, a little bit more advanced, but this holistic stuff that isn't going to get you... It isn't gonna make you rich, but you're also not going to screw yourself.
0: It's gonna set you for absolutely like, if you do it right, it'll set you for life. Absolutely. Kind
1: of yep. And if you have time, by the way, you'll do the stages in order, right? You'll get your debt in order, and then the second thing you'll do is 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 you'll make sure that you're safe and then you'll go to Mars if you decide to go. The problem is that takes a lot of time. So a lot of people a lot of people say, Well, I can't do that anymore. I gotta flip houses, right? For mm. me, fl- flipping houses is stage three. That's going to Mars. Yeah. Because now I'm out of the atmosphere uh, flipping houses or owning a business um, or, uh, or trading stocks. Those are all risky things. But those are the ways to get to wealth. But if you screw them up, you could die. So, yeah. Where, where – you because know, you're outside the atmosphere. You're playing
0: with a lot of risk at that point.
1: Absolutely. And so a guy, a guy like a Rick Edelman is an example, who's a national radio talk show host, a great author, talks about great comprehensive financial planning. He's going to be at odds completely at odds with a guy like robert kiyosaki who is rich dad poor dad which is a Mm. great book i mean these are two of my favorite books but these people believe completely different stuff rick edelman says have a complete financial plan cover all your bases uh his book the truth about money is probably my favorite book Uh, rich dad poor dad talks about don't do things the way everybody else did them do them you know small cap stocks houses work for yourself understand the tax code these people are kind of opposed. Well that's because Kiyosaki's a stage three guy mm. and and Rick Edelman's a stage two guy.
0: Okay. Yeah, I guess I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad when I was fourteen, I think. Wow. And it was a very it was very motivating at the time. I guess my only problem with with uh, Robert Kiyosaki is he's a stage three guy that markets to everyone. Yes. Like he's just too popular and like he doesn't care that everyone loves the stuff he's writing. So you read his book and you get all motivated and you're like, I'm going to start a business or pick a perfect stock or whatever it may be. And that's not – it's probably not the best option for you at this time.
1: You got people who are in debt. You should be listening to Susie Orman and Dave Ramsey, right? Because that's what they're good at, by the way. Hmm. Susie Orman and Dave Ramsey, whether you love them or hate them, that's what they're good at. That's their wheelhouse. They should be listening to those kind of gurus and instead they're listening to Kiyosaki. Somebody – I've had people come into my office when I was a financial planner that are buying small cap stocks and trying to start flipping houses because Robert Kiyosaki said so. They've got tons – they are – if they do this wrong, they're going to die, right? Because they didn't do – they didn't get themselves off the launch pad. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, and one of the things that I did when I read the book is I asked myself, how did he make all his money or how does he make all of his money? How is he financially independent? Cause I was like, there's that picture of him and his wife on the horse at the countryside in Ireland or something. And I was like, Oh, how did he get there? Like, how does he have that much money from books <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> from training sessions? Yes. Uh, you know, I don't know how he made it all in the first place, but that's, you know, that's, uh, that's not that's not investing in small cap stocks. That's not flipping houses. That's something very different. So,
1: It is it is, but it's still once again even if you look behind the, you know, behind what he's telling you to do, uh, if you look behind that, owning a business still is a stage 3 thing. Like yeah. You still yeah. should get your debt in order, get your house in order, understand basic financial concepts before you decide I'm going to Mars.
0: Mm. You know, it's funny uh, a lot of the personal finance bloggers and everything like they don't like Dave Ramsey and they think you like they take a lot of what he said uh, says out of context. And then I guess Matt actually read Total Money Makeover all the way through and like, gave it a close reading and they did an episode on it. And he's like, you know what? I actually kind of like the book. <laughs> it's it's, a good, it's book. a good book on getting out of debt and getting everything in order.
1: It is. It is a good book. The frustration that I have is that people don't jettison that stage one rocket. Like I've met mm. people that would that, that excel to everything Dave Ramsey says to do. But then didn't go to the second stage. Like there's a reason why Rick Edelman says uh, that it's okay to use leverage and to have debt, right? Because it's a cost benefit thing. But 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 that assumes that you already have your house in order and you know what you're doing and you understand the problems with leverage. So so uh, Dave Ramsey says don't have any debt. Don't ever use leverage. Well, well, that's fantastic, but that's a stage one point of view. Yes. Yeah. Stage two point of view is going to be debt and leverage are okay, but you got to use it in a way where you're not going to get your butt kicked. Right. Because um, you see these people with no money and with tons of debt just taking on more, and what's your plan to pay it back? I was, I was love. I used to go uh, talk, give talks at high schools, and and they'd have these Q and A's with juniors and seniors in high school. And you know what their number one question was? And it was all variations of the same question: How do I get into tons of debt? Every single one. So How do I get into it? How how do I get into debt? So how do I get a new car? How do I I buy a house? How do I get my first credit card? Like every kid would step up to that microphone to ask me questions. And it was always a variation of how do I take on lots of debt? Those people should read Dave Ramsey first.
0: Okay.
1: You know what I mean? Once they read Dave Ramsey, then you get to the point where now my house is in order. Let's drop that stage one now let's, now let's start figuring out ways to use debt in a way that's responsible. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the same thing with credit cards, right? I mean, Dave Ramsey says, don't use a credit card. I've known plenty of people that shouldn't use a credit card. Like do not use a credit card, but you see all these stories of people that are getting all these wonderful, you know, reward points and reward miles. It's more about you than it is uh, and where you're at in your journey than it is about whether a credit card is good or bad. I think,
0: you know, uh, I guess if, uh, if any high school students or college students are listening to this who are in that mindset of, I want to be in debt, um, go read the book, Everything That Remains by The Minimalists. Because that, that something that really stuck out to me a few years ago in college was that if you are passionate about something, and it's funny, like that word passion is such a buzz term, but if you have something you're really interested in, then you won't care about having a nice car. You won't care about having a super awesome house and things that get you in debt because you would want to do the other thing instead. Like I want to make things. I don't want to go
1: out and buy a new car. Well, and and, and the thing that that stuck with me after, because you know my personal story is I got into tons of debt early on. I mean, so I'm a, I'm a I'm a freshman at the Citadel, the military college of South Carolina, where I don't know if you know this, but when you're in military college, you can't have a part time job, right? The military, oh yeah. Military school kind of is your job. Mm -hmm. And in our student union, Mark Clark Hall, I walk in like the second week of school and American Express, Thomas, American Express has a table. And they're telling me that I can get an American Express card. How cool is that? I'm at a military college. I have no way to repay that debt, but I can have this cool green card that says member since right with this cool date on it and my name on it. Never had a credit card before. Second week of college. Guess who signed up? Me. Mm -hmm. Three weeks later. American Express gives me a card. And you think about how predatory that is.
0: Yeah, Uh, it's insane. You know,
1: American Express has no business offering me a credit card, which is funny, by the way, because I ended up becoming a spokesman for an arm of American Express years later, (laughs) uh, which which is hilarious. I'm like, well, if you can't beat them, go join them. But but American Express uh, uh, gives me this credit card. So the next weekend, we get this weekend leave on a Saturday. I take all my buddies out to dinner and I put it on the credit card. And then I bought this sweater. I go into a Nordstrom at the mall in, in North Charleston, and uh, I go into a Nordstrom. I buy this just killer sweater. I still own the sweater, by the way. It's got like this Argyle crap. I mean, think 1988, <laughs> right? I was just, it, it is a scary sweater. But, um, but I thought it was awesome. And life was great until that bill came. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I realized the same thing that, 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 that a lot of people realize with their first credit card. I can't pay this. Mm-hmm. How the heck am I going to pay this? So guess what I did? I called minimum? Oh, no. I called my parents. Oh, okay. I didn't have any money. Are you kidding me? I didn't have any <laughs> I called mom. And guess what mom said? Mom, mom said, figure it out. And so the way I figured it out was uh, two months later after the the, the the 60 and 90 day notices came, I lost the credit card. And my credit score was screwed because mm-hmm. – I asked that same question all these high schoolers are asking me, which is how do I get into a bunch of debt yeah. so for so for me, you know when you said I haven't read everything that remains and I need to, but for me, what I think of when I hear that title even the only thing that remains later on, I don't remember the meal you know I still got the sweater just because it's funny because it's an ugly ugly ass sweater yeah. but uh, but nothing remains just the debt just this this stuff I'm paying for fun I already had that's horrible
0: mm-hmm yeah, it's I think one of those essential stage one strategies is really defining what's valuable to you. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Well, two things I think you got to know on the launch pad, uh, which is which is that what you just said, the goal based planning. What's important to me? Where am I trying to go? Right. If I got this rocket, I got to know where I want it to go. Right. If, if, if my goal in life is to own a business, then I know I got to go to Mars. Right. I mean, because owning a business for me is a Mars kind of strategy. So I'm going to have to get my house in order really quickly, get out of the atmosphere and I'm going to have to take some risks. But I got to know as much about that risk as possible before I take off. Otherwise, if I forget the parachute, I'm going to kill the astronaut. Jebediah (laughs) is going to die. And in this case, Jebediah is me. And then the second thing you got to know, I think on the launch pad, everybody needs to know is probabilities. I think that I see these. So I was going to do my run this morning and I passed this donut shop that just opened up in our little town here, Texarkana. And this donut shop isn't even on the corner. So first of all, the corner it's on is not a main thoroughfare neither street or our main thoroughfare and it's not even on so it's this two two storefront um little you know duplexy thing it's not even on the one on the corner it's the one next to the corner so if you're coming from the north which is where most of the traffic comes from you can't even see that it's donuts right so these people had the worst location of all time i don't know how long it's been open I am more than certain knowing probabilities around businesses and how businesses are created and how long they last. This business isn't going to be here six weeks from now. I mm.
0: don't
1: I don't know the owners. I don't know anything around it. But but if I'm gonna open a business, I gotta know those probabilities so I know what to what to do. Cause at the very least, I should have read about this business in the paper. I should have seen it on Yelp. I should have, you know, TripAdvisor, whatever. I should I should somehow know about this business. Right. Um, and I don't. And, and also, you're making donuts. You know how much a donut sells for? I mean, Not what much? Well, you get them at the gas stations. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Kind of a commodity. Yeah, like 50 cents. So, so I'm thinking, how many donuts on this crappy corner are these people going to have to sell to make $30,000? Yeah. You know? I mean, $30,000 at 50 cents each, gross is before equipment costs, anything is 60,000 donuts. 60,000 donuts a year? That's at, a lot. this place is going out of business. So I think, I think while you're on the launch pad, you need to, you need to know where you're going and you also need to think about probabilities. What's my chance of this succeeding before
0: Mm -hmm. I go. Cool. Well, so to do one final segment here, uh, since you were a financial planner, let's, let's take a, a, you know, a a new grad and he's got like 30 K in debt. What are some like overall steps that we can lay out for getting to stage two or maybe starting like getting past stage one and then like starting to set up stage two, which is financial security, I suppose you would call it.
1: Is it is it student loan debt? Yes. Yeah, I
0: think that's the typical like most students are graduating with around 30 K on average in student loan debt. Hopefully not any other kinds of debt. Let's, uh, well, let's be deadbeats with the credit cards.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, so the first thing to, to do is to set out all your debt. Most people haven't done this because they say it's like going to the dentist, right? Mm. Line item all your debt, line item by line item, and have it in front of you so you can see it. And somebody on my show, one of our guests on my show called it getting naked. And it, and it, and it really is just putting it out there um, and, and – it was actually a client of mine that said it is like it is like going to the dentist. It's just, You hate doing it. You feel better afterwards, right? You feel great after mm-hmm. you leave the dentist, but going there, you're just dreading it. So lay out the debt line by line uh, uh, what you've got. And then you also have to do this this thing that people think of as painful, which is figure out how much money you've got to attack that problem with. Um, And to do that, you don't got to go through the whole spreadsheet thing. That's kind of annoying. Uh, Don't get me wrong. I like spreadsheets, but I know that I'm a nerd. I know most people don't like them. So use use tools like Mint, Mint, or your bank might even have one, to to track your spending for you and figure out how much money you have left at the end of a week or a month to put toward that that debt. But then the other thing you got to do that people forget about is look at that debt strategically, as if you're a business owner and say, all right, how do I re is is there a way I can rearrange this debt to make it easier to pay off? So as an example, if it's credit card debt, can I switch over to a 0% card? One of these introductory rate 0% cards, cut up the old card, go to a 0% card to minimize the interest on that card for you know while I'm paying it off. So I'm paying less money to the man uh, and more money's going toward the debt payoff. On student loans, I think I have to know two concepts. I think I have to know how deferral works unless you know if I get into that situation where I just can't pay and I need to kick the can down the road to take care of other things. Mm-hmm. Cuz as an example, if I've got if I've got a student loan that's at, you know, you know, 6 7 or 8% and I've got a credit card that's at 19% and I only have money to dedicate to one of them, I'm probably going to try to defer the student loan right? Uh, and put as much toward the credit card debt as possible. Mm-hmm. So I got to know how deferral works. And I also have to know how consolidation works. Now, the problem with consolidation, is you know very well, is that consolidation can bite you in the ass yeah, uh, because it locks in the interest that you would have paid on the loan and adds it as principal to the loan. So So consolidation can be consolidation can be scary, but you got to know how it works. So once I know, once I've got all, all those debts in front of me, and I think of ways to get that payment as low as possible, so more of it goes to repayment, then I use apps like Mint to figure out how much money I have to put toward the debt. Then unfortunately, you got to split it in half. You got to take some of that money and pay it toward the debt and some of it to put into a crap's going to come up, and I don't want to have to go back to the credit card so right. fund. So I don't like calling it the emergency fund because people that never use it. I like it. You know, we got two choices. We can make sure nothing ever comes up in our life or we can handle it ahead of time. So put money in a fund that's OK. My muffler is going to be dragging behind my car and I don't want to go back to the credit card. Uh, right.
0: Fund. I like the way you said it. The crap's going to come out fun. <laughs> yeah. Your muffler breaking doesn't feel like an, an emergency Right? Yeah, you need it, like you need your car, so. <laughs>
1: Well, you see what happens, you know, it's cool if you're just out of college and listening to this or in college and listening to this, I'll, I'll tell you the scary thing is people start dealing with this at that age and then I would meet them in their forties and fifties and they're still doing this shark teeth thing, you know, up, down, up, down, up, down, up down where they get it almost paid off and then the dishwasher breaks and they get almost paid off and then the muffler is dragging and then I get it almost paid off and then we decide to have a baby and, and, you know, whatever, it just goes up, down and, and they never get out of debt.
0: Yeah. So, so it reminds whole, me of that that scene from Up, where they keep having to break the jar to fix things. Yes, yeah. But that's debt
1: instead of uh, like <laughs> you, I don't think they were in debt. So no, but it's the same thing. I love. I'm going to steal that analogy. Uh, <laughs> I like. I like drew some. I'm trying to
0: figure out. I like drew this this like system of pipes and beakers to like represent the flow of income where it should go after you graduate. I can't find it, so I'm like trying to find it, but. Uh, it was it was like you said, like uh, you fill up an emergency fund, quote unquote, maybe I'll rename it to Crap That Happens Fund and then start paying off debt hardcore.
1: Well, and I'll tell you my my biggest hack, the biggest hack of all um, that, that I love uh, and I don't see people do enough. I do it. Um, my most successful clients did it. It's to realize there's a difference, Thomas, between what you bring in from your employer and what you live on. Mm-hmm. And, and and most people think, okay, wow, I got a raise. That means I can spend ten percent more money. Yeah. It it, it it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean anything. You don't need it's, to. Yeah, the raise means there's more money coming in, but you you decide what lifestyle you're gonna live. Not your company, not your boss. And once people get that through their head, what you do is you set up direct everybody's got direct deposit now, right? But instead of direct depositing to your checking account, which is what everybody does, and then you, gotta, you, know, you got to your ATM card, so it all comes in on Friday and it's gone by Saturday. <laughs> it's, instead of doing that, direct deposit to a savings account and then figure out the amount of money you need to pay the bills and have a little bit of fun and have – and banks are happy to set this up. An automatic distribution out of that savings account, basically an automatic faucet that turns on whatever – if you want it every other week or once a month or whatever it is where that money from the savings account goes into your checking you're then paying yourself from that savings the amount you need to live on yeah and i'll tell you what happens money automatically accumulates in that savings account mm-hmm. because it's just the difference between the two and then you get you know then that that money gets saved that's your that's your crap that comes up fun and then as that gets too high, then you start up an automatic thing out of there f- for your Roth IRA contribution or, or you know whatever you want to do. Uh, uh, I love that. Uh, yeah. and, and you know what? I've had, I had somebody on a podcast on the uh, – they were talking about me about two months ago about this strategy. And uh, one woman on the show, a friend of mine, Miranda Marquette, said, you know, it just sounds too hard. It just sounds hard. And, and I was sad Not that – well, I was sad I couldn't be on that episode because she's right on. It's hard one time while you're setting it up, right? Mm-hmm. Like people hear, oh, I got to set the – but once you set it up, it's done. It's yeah. done.
0: And then it's, it's zero hard yes. at that point.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it actually is easy because now you're laughing because I don't have to – here's what I hate. You know, I've tried to lose weight in the past. Uh, when I tried to lose weight and, and use Weight Watchers, I hate counting points. I mean, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Weight Watchers works. It's great. My wife loves it. People like it. I, I hate this mathematical equation if I get so many – I don't want to think. I, I got too much crap. You and I talked about this already. I got too much crap going on in my head, right? Yeah. So do you. I got too much I, – I don't want to think. So instead, Tim Ferriss works for me. I mean, Tim Ferriss' Tim Ferriss's, uh, whole approach the four-hour body is you can eat this, this, and this. I can't eat this, this, and this. And that's it, right? Yes. So, so I look at a menu, and, and, and immediately in my head I just go, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And it's so easy. Mm-hmm. And you know what happened? I lost 18 pounds so far. I right mean, on. Without, without even really trying. And, and that's what this does. I don't want to think about it. I want to set it up so automatically my, my boss puts money into the savings account. And automatically, I get money in my checking to spend, which is a different amount that I chose. Yeah. And and the difference between the two automatically gets saved. How great is that? That's why I like like the the new Acorns app too. Mm. You know, where money automatically gets saved, it rounds up your bills. Yeah. So instead of you know you go you go to get that donut at this stupid place down here <laughs> fifty cents, it rounds it up to a buck, and then that other fifty cents goes into your Acorns account to buy stuff. I, I love. I, I yeah.
0: don't have to think any sort I love automation. I've automated pretty much everything in my finances now. and mine's a little different because my income's variable, and I'm like, I don't have it disperse the amount of expenses because I don't really budget, but I do have goals. So like I have saving goals every month, the 112th of my yearly saving goal will go into my savings accounts or investments. Uh, all the bills are automated. They just come out. And the cool thing is my roommates used to have to pay me with checks to uh, pay for the utilities. Well, I set up a Stripe account for them, so now their credit cards just automatically get charged to me. So it's I don't have to touch anything, and it's wonderful.
1: I like that my son has a uh, cool. Uh, there's a, there's a cool program they use uh, for him and his roommates uh, at University of Texas, where they uh, where, where it automatically divides up the utility bill. I oh yeah, remember. I don't remember what that is. That's pretty. Uh, maybe
0: sincere. it's like William paid or something. I'm not sure. Um, personally, I do Stripe because I charge my roommates a fixed rate, and then okay. I just eat the rest. Yeah, you gouge them. But I don't gouge them. (laughs) I gouge myself. (laughs) They're all, like, still on college wages, and I don't know. Like, I've been out for a while, so I just kind of eat the cost. I should probably normalize the cost based on, like, the average bills instead of just, like, I I basically just pulled a number out of my ass and charged them it. And I know it's too low, but (laughs) whatever. It's something. Yeah, I mean, it gets me a good amount back every month, so whatever. Yeah, karma, right? What
1: comes around goes around. There we go. <laughs> but, but, but let me tell you, so I'll push back. As, as, so as a financial planner, and I can never take the hat off because there's a Gordon Ramsay piece of me that, that, that never switches off. Uh, my, so with my clients that have variable income,
0: hmm.
1: having that savings account was even more, more important because what I found with people with variable income had nothing to do with their savings goals. It had to do with their lifestyle. When a big check came in, Unless they were super super diligent, it was steak dinner, and then they would mm-hmm. live on ramen noodles. Right? They totally live on ramen between checks, and it was it was this boom bust cycle that would kill them. Where what we would try to do is find the middle ground, so they could try to live the same, you know, whatever lifestyle was comfortable uh, between those things, and and never feel the spikes of the paycheck or as little as possible. Right. Because, man, you'd see these – and it got really bad. I mean that those – for some of these guys, they would get like $50,000 one paycheck. And because they mm-hmm. knew they had it now and they wouldn't have that five months from now because that was half a year's income or maybe a 30-year's income, they would go buy a new car and they buy more cars than they thought they could afford, right? Because they got the money now. Yeah. They would buy a new car. They would buy – I mean they'd go buy all this – at the big screen TV. They'd buy all this stuff. And And, and when we'd go in there and eliminate that, and instead say, nope, this is the amount you got every two weeks. And if you want to put some of that money into savings for a car, that's that's great. But
0: to- well, Luckily for me, I don't have the that much variable income. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little
1: more normal than that. No, that's not lucky. You want that kind of variable. I, that is what I want. Yeah, I do. For, um, it's three nice. weeks from now, after your fans have heard that I was on your podcast, you'll be making tons of money.
0: Oh, man, just 100 Gs just stacking it's a, in. This week's it's like so- donations. I don't even have a donation button. They're like mailing it to me. I don't know how. <laughs>
1: I, I all, know, these, have, all these
0: students with money. That's that's cool. Who
1: has that? <laughs> have you looked into that? Uh, what's the and I I we haven't done anything about it. But there's the um, uh, where you're trying to be a. Um, it isn't just a donation button. It's 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 almost like Kickstarter. Oh, Patreon. Yeah, Patreon.
0: Yeah, I don't. I mean, I actually am a patron for some people. Yes, but I don't think I would do it for myself. No. Eh. I think, I guess I'm more of like, uh, I I guess I take like the content marketer uh, mindset about it instead where I'm going to make 95% free stuff. And then the people who really like it and want to get more, eventually I'll come out with something that they can pay for, which, uh, I'm working on a book right now. So, and I think the first book's just going to be book, you know, it will be a great book, but it'll be a book. And then maybe the next one I'll have like uh, extra packages where I'll interview people and I'll have like the video archives as like an upgrade or maybe like some like interview scripts that you can use for job interviews and stuff. And I'll like, I'll make a big thing out of it and then like, I could just charge multi- for that
1: whole multimedia thing.
0: Yeah. Cause yeah. I've seen people do really good stuff with that. And yeah. like, uh, like Scott Young does like some learning courses and people pay good money for that. So Itch. I think that would be a good thing uh, to look into in the future. And I'm also looking into doing speaking. So, I'll let the colleges pay me, and the students don't have to in that case.
1: (laughs) Speaking of that, by the way, I've got something that are just for your fans of the show, which is – so I have this stuff that we talked about today on a white paper. um, And I made a page that's just links because Stacking Benjamins, the website, is all over the map, right, because we Mm -hmm. talk everything. So I put together links to some of our show episodes and some of of my writing that I think is better for your audience, Thomas. Okay. So it's stackingbenjamins.com forward slash college. Awesome. So, if people go to forward slash college, forward slash college, you'll have uh, the thing to sign up to get the white paper that we just talked about. If somebody wants that in writing and then the um, and then uh, some links to get the most out of our stuff.
0: Except for we're on uh, we're on audio media right now. So we have to say backslash. <laughs> That's right. <yeah. laughs> backslash. You yes. say backslash one more time. <laughs> uh. But yeah, I'll, I will definitely link to that in the show notes because that is a great resource. I found that um, that's a that's a good thing to do when you're on somebody else's show or you're guest posting is like put together a page on your site just for that audience.
1: I have to because, you know, like I said at the Open, we're so all over the place with our show yep. that I think it's a little hard to crack that nut. So, so, <laughs> so if you're coming at it from your podcast, then I would want to start off with stuff that kind of applies, that's similar. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then kind of work my way in. So uh, that's that's the best way I could find to do it. Yeah. Well, maybe I
0: should make a Stacking Benjamins page. <laughs> well, I talked about productivity on yours, right? You did. That, that's well, been a pretty big focus lately. So,
1: and I got I got a link specifically to that article. So,
0: okay, yeah, all right, cool. Well, this has been an awesome interview. I especially liked the whole like, the whole metaphor with the stages, and maybe I'll have to check out Kerbal Space Program myself because I don't know. I'm gonna learn how to build a rocket. <laughs> <laughs> Go kill Jebediah. I'm gonna leave. Je- I'm gonna remember the parachute. See, I'm coming at this with prepared information. That's right. So, so I'm wait. gonna be fine. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Joe. And uh, everyone else should check out stackingbenjamins.com. It's another awesome podcast. So if you run out of material for this one, check that one out. All right. Well, I hope you got something good out of that interview with Joe. And if you're looking at your podcast player right now and you're noticing the length uh, meter for the duration, of this episode is nowhere near finished yet. Well, on Joe's podcast, he often lets the outro music roll and then they start discussing something else completely off topic and I figured that in honor of having him on my show we should do that so actually when we started recording this episode we ended up talking about board games and other geeky stuff for about 20 minutes before we even started talking about anything personal finance related and it was a fun discussion so I've decided to include it after the outro music rolls in this episode so if you're bored and got nothing to do then give that a listen otherwise once again you can find the show notes for this episode with links to any tools and resources we mentioned and other good stuff over at cijpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show if you're enjoying it. And if you really want to help the show out, help it bump up the rankings on iTunes and get out to more people, then leave a rating and review over on iTunes. The show notes also includes a link that tells you exactly how to do that. So it's real easy. And if you do, thank you so much. That's all I have for this week. So until next week, stay cute. Thanks for listening to the College Info Geek Podcast grow your brain even more at www.collegeinfogeek.com I have like a, I have a standing desk set up but I don't want to put like it takes forever to set up so if I want to stand I just take all my board games which are fewer than yours I can tell <laughs> <laughs> Damn, you guys have a lot of games Let's we'll see back there to ride. To sh-
1: i have about 250 games wow
0: i can see ticket to ride back there
1: this uh, is like man just a little bit that i know you lancaster is that good yes it's a great game you'd love it it's it's like um it's it has a feel of risk but it's only 90 minutes
0: okay is, is risk longer because i've actually never played risk
1: oh you haven't risk is brutally long it, it is it, it? Just, okay poke your fucking eye out see everyone's
0: just like don't play risk you're gonna hate your friends at the end of it
1: all right <laughs> no the real game you hate your friends is called diplomacy and that's up there somewhere where's diplomacy oh uh, yeah Way up there, yeah. So diplomacy, diplomacy is kind of funny because, so let's say there's uh, three, imagine three parts of a triangle. There's, there's, there's three people that own three different areas. And what happens is, is that uh, you have this negotiation time, which is maybe like 10 minutes and everybody kind of leaves the room. There's seven players, everybody leaves the room and you negotiate. And the deal is, Everybody has the same number of armies. So in risk, you never play, but in risk, you have these armies and you roll dice to see who wins. So probabilities are in your favor. But mm. with diplomacy, there, there are no probabilities because everybody has one army. So oh. the, o- the only way that let's say that I'm trying to take over your, your, your area, if, if I write – so everybody comes back in the room and then they write on a, on a piece of paper all the moves they're going to make. If I don't have leverage, I can't take – That spot. So I need the guy next to me to say, "Hey, okay, I'll help you take over Thomas's thing if you help me over over here." And then so it's it's all this deal making. And what's funny is the game's like Survivor because at some point you got to fucking stab the guy in the back. (laughs) You have to, right? So the key is is you don't want to do it too early because then everybody abandons you because you're the dick, and -hmm. you don't want to do it too late because somebody else is going to stab you. And uh, that game that that game makes you hate everybody. Just, you this absolutely. sounds
0: like our, our multiplayer games of Magic that we play. Because yes. I love multiplayer games because they involve lots of politics. And I can be like, oh, he's looking pretty spooky over there. You should probably go after him. Meanwhile, I've got the deck that looks very harmless until like 15 turns in the game. It's suddenly become invincible.
1: I, I, <laughs> I love that. I've played Magic in forever, but I love that type of a, type of a deck. Mm-hmm. Where if I can just last through the first half of the game, I'm going to kick your ass. Yep. It's it's like this rising storm coming. But the problem is if somebody had a really fast deck, I was, you know, I yeah. was. I was That's was...
0: why I like the multiplayer aspects because I can sort of like diminish my threat and then make it look like other people are going to be spooky, which it, they are. You know, yes. I'm not lying
1: <laughs> well there, there's this little game over here somewhere called uh, the resistance which is pretty cool so you, and it's it's uh, it's it's kind of like that you're all members of this resistance but some people are secretly playing for the evil Empire. Right mm. so so and you send you decide who to send on missions and then everybody on that mission has to do their job well your goal if you're part of the evil empire is to get put on missions so that you can destroy the mission oh okay and uh, and, and everything is done in these secret ballots so you, you start as the game goes on you're really accusing everybody and you know like if there's five <laughs> people playing you know two of the five people are not on your team yeah so your goal is to identify over a series of missions who's on your. And that game only lasts like half an hour. It's pretty damn fun.
0: That sounds fun.
1: Yeah, it's a great like end of the night party game. Like, okay. uh, it's funny because I've got a group of about fifteen guys on our mailing list, and every other Thursday we get together and play and play games uh, all night long. And it's a and it's a blast. And that's usually that that's one of our end of the night games. That so, that does sound like a blast.
0: My yeah. old boss, I used to work at a web development office. He has probably as many games as you do. I should probably go over and play some games.
1: What's funny is, is people tell me, that, you know, people that don't play games like, God, you got a lot of games. But I go to – and you've been on Board Game Geek before? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you go on Board Game Geek, I got nothing, dude. Nope. I got nothing. These people, 2,500 games. My brother-in-law, my sister-in-law have a friend who's a who's a, a really nice guy, but he's got like 5,000 games. I'm like, how the f- – well, why?
0: Incredible. Yes. So have you ever heard of – oh, what's it called? There's a game called like The Campaign for North Africa or something.
1: Oh, my God, dude, that's 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 like heavy duty war game. It
0: takes like uh, what is it? I think that the game, the box on the game says like it takes 270 hours to play like yeah, it's a full time job.
1: Yeah. And the map <laughs> is like the size of, of the floor. I mean, it's this huge, huge map. Yeah. I and I right. thought
0: it was a joke at first. And then I kept reading it. I was like, no, this isn't a joke. No. <laughs> yeah. um, apparently, it's like the last game before all that stuff started moving to computers so now you have—I don't even remember the names. There are like some really hardcore war simulators on the computer,
1: and uh, Campaign
0: for North Africa was like the last paper one. So,
1: I have, <laughs> I have, uh, uh, I never have time for long games. But on our flight back from Italy, uh, just before we were flying back, I downloaded uh, Civilization CivRev. Uh, oh yeah, uh, Civilization Revolution. What was great was that was that Cheryl watched like two and a half movies. And I played one game of Civ Rev. It took five and a half hours. Yeah. It was so awesome. I'm like, oh, of this long ass nine hour trip in the air, <laughs> half of it was playing Civ Rev.
0: I used, I, was, the, I used to have the game for my DS. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's hard to get into for me, but once I'm into it, it's like, I'm playing this until I'm done, until well, I, I get much. nukes.
1: Yeah, that's why I try not to play it. Because <laughs> for me, I'm like, the first half hour, I'm like, I can't do this. And then after half an hour, I'm like, oh, just one more turn. Oh, just one more turn. Oh, just one more. oh horrible.
0: <laughs> I, I have one game that you should get. Uh, it's called Super Fight. I don't know if it's backwards for you, but nope. it's, it's amazing. Um, have you played Cards Against Humanity at all? Yes. Okay. Right there. <laughs> it's so yeah. fun. Uh, we went to Camp Nerd Fitness, and man, those are some offensive people. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. Um, superfight's similar, but the the gist is you if you're the the judge player, uh, just like in Cards Against Humanity," there's like a judge player every single round. Then you'll draw a character off the deck, and then you'll draw two attributes for it. So you might get George W. Bush wielding chainsaws and on stilts or something like that. And everyone from their hand will try to assemble uh, their own fighter to beat the judges. But they only get to play one attribute, and then the judge will say, okay, right or left, and the player to your right or left will play one of their attributes on yours. So they could make your your fighter suck, or they could make it better, or they could make it really hilarious. And there's expansion packs, I have the nerd one and I have the really offensive one. So it can it can get real weird, but it's also hilarious. And as an added bonus, you start arguing about how uh, your T-Rex with grenades is not going to be very effective because yeah. it's got short arms and then everyone gets in a huge fight and it's I hilarious.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. No, that's I just wrote that down. It that sounds like our kind of end of the night game. It's so fun. Yeah. We we actually stopped playing cards against humanity only because we found a game that we like better, which is similar. Really? It's, but it's called Things. Mm. And I just, played
0: Things. Yes.
1: Yeah, and instead of, of the cards, now it's everybody's imagination, you know, things you shouldn't do at grandma's funeral and everybody writes one down. <laughs> and, and what's cool is is so you're so we were playing it at Christmas one year and my son, my son said said like things you shouldn't do things you shouldn't do to grandma while she's sleeping or something. <laughs> and my son, who was like fourteen at the time, wrote teabagger. But <laughs> so what's funny is what's the funniest part, Thomas, is that my mom is playing with us. So my mom's like, my mom's like, what's teabagging? I'm like, guess what, Nick? You wrote it. You get to tell her what it is. Tell grandma what you don't do to her while she's sleeping. Oh,
0: that's hilarious.
1: It was so uncomfortable. I feel
0: like I've heard you tell this story before.
1: So we might have, we might have done
0: it on an after show. You might have done it on an after show. You know, I think this is going to end up being the after show.
1: <laughs> We're going to
0: steal that little concept for this episode.
1: <laughs> That'll
0: be fun. Oh, there's one more. Do you have a Do you have a PS4 or a PC at all?
1: Uh, Xbox and uh, and Mac, and this is a PC. Okay, um, there's a game called Fibbage.
0: Yes, and have you yeah, played it?
1: Th- th- no, but there was the guys that did You Don't Know Jack. Yeah, we've yes. been playing
0: it like every night for the past few days. It's it's hilarious, and it uses sort of that concept from things where you get to make up the blank. Yeah, but, uh, it gives a fact, and then there's a blank spot, and you have to make up a convincing lie. Um, and I usually play to make a funny lie instead of a convincing one. But then, uh, if people pick your lie, then you get 500 points. And then if you can find the truth, then you get a thousand. So yeah. there's the competitive aspect, but I'm usually going for the funny things. Cause there's also, you can like people's answers.
1: That's, that, uh, yeah. And you use your, it's pretty cool. Cause even if you play it on the PS four, you get a, uh, or a three, you get a, uh, you use your, your, your phone. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Everyone plays on their phone or you can play on a tablet or, or your own computer. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But it's cool because we were all sitting around playing on Saturday and then probably half the group was really hungry. So they wanted to go get Wendy's and we were like, "Okay, I guess we're just going to sit here and wait for them. And then we realized they're playing from the car (laughs) because everything (laughs) is on the phone screen. Like you don't actually need the TV for it.
1: That's awesome. But But yeah, does it still have Cookie Masterson as the uh, as the MC? I think it's the same guy.
0: Yeah,
1: he, he changes
0: his name every once in a while. But yeah, it's Cookie Masterson. Of course he does. (laughs) Guy's got the best voice in the world.